Chase, don't do that. You see, we, we're working on his brow chopper. We're just in back at the crown chopper. Welcome to Waxing the Porpoise podcast. Uh, this is a show where we talk about a film my co-host has never seen before and or uh, a tale of the unexplained or missing cold case disappearance kind of deep cut. Um, uh, continuing the trend uh, this week for the month of September, well, for the month of September and October, we're talking strictly horror films uh, in in preparation for uh, All Hallows' Eve, or Samhain, as it were. Um, and this week we're covering uh, 2002's The Mothman Prophecies, uh, episode 22. You got your host, Jim G-Baby, and my, as always, our co-host, The Usual Suspect, Steve. How are you, friend? Hello. Doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing great. Grand. Wonderful. Um, so yeah, this is Mothman. This is uh, one I had seen. Um, I don't think I saw it in the theater. I, th- I think I saw it a couple years later, and I got really baked and watched it. And it fucking creeped me out. It had a lasting impression on me. Um, have you been, were you familiar with this at all, or had you seen it? Uh, had you seen stuff about it and were aware of it at least, or was this totally blind Ray Charles for you? I, I had heard of it. Hold on. <coughs> I might cough. <coughs> I'm going to spill. Dude. <coughs> Dude. What's that one? I, I seen someone did like a TikTok of it. It was like, Oh, hold me closer. Ed. And it's got He's got the blanket on. What is that from? I don't know. He's like, I just don't know if my little heart c- 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 could take it anymore. Uh, <laughs> <coughs> that's what I felt like for a second. Um, all right. We're still recording. So okay. we're going in right to the You're, ask if you've been familiar. Yeah. Uh, I had heard of the movie. I knew absolutely nothing about it. I just knew it was kind of supposed to be like a spooky, supernatural thriller. But like most things... I went into it with no idea like what the plot would be or anything about it other than just having heard of it for the last 20 years, which is crazy to think 2002 is 20 years ago. Yeah, dude, that's nuts. I'm coming up on my fucking, uh, the 2023 will be my 20 year high school reunion, which is fucking pretty bonkers to think about. Yeah, are you going to go? I don't know. I don't think so, because we're so far away now. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, what am I thinking? Duh. Obviously, you're not going to come all the way back. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, stars would have to align, but I think it would be a lot of fun, because I think this one a lot of people are actually maybe going to go to, because the 10-year, I don't think anyone I knew went, but um, I don't know. Probably not with two kids and two dogs and being like 2,500 miles away. Kind yeah. of a. Plus, it, pro- it probably just devolved. Into- have you ever seen Gross Point Blank with fucking John Cusack? I have. It's been a long time, but I have. 
it'd probably devolve into something like that, and it'd just be like, why did I do this? This is how big, dumb. How big was your graduating class? Fuck. Like 999 really? people. Yeah. Damn. Our high school was huge. It was right before they opened up the... I think my senior year, they opened up the second high school in the town oh, of shit. like 70,000 people. So there was only one high school besides the continuation school um, for the town of like 70,000 people. So yeah, we had like, I think it was like 3,800 people on campus. It was pretty fucking nuts. God, there was like damn. people every day. One of my buddies was like, I'll never see that person again. Like, <laughs> was your buddy <laughs> there a was serial? this one fuck, yeah, your buddy a serial killer? No, <laughs> no. He just meant, you know, like there's so many fucking people. It's like ants. Uh, no, but like the campus was all kind of like outdoor too. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't like, you know, like the prototypical you see in movies and like the halls and lockers and shit. Yeah. We didn't have lockers. Everything was outdoor. It felt kind of like a co- college campus. But uh, I remember this one asshole, like out of the blue, he fucking took, he was like a senior and he dressed real nice. He like, he wore like slacks and like button up shirt every day, but he was like a closet asshole one time he went out into the quad where they like the bell rings so all 3600 people are like merging like ants to their next class he went out with a soccer ball and he just fucking booted it like 200,000 yards in the air and just it comes down dude it's like you get the target area is saturated you're nailing someone in the yeah. dome and it just came down a Punk bonked some poor person and he just like laughed and walked off. It's like, what the fuck? There's a lot of odd characters with that many people going around, I feel like. But anyway, probably won't go to the old high school uh, reunion, but I still feel young at heart. It feels weird thinking that that was 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. Another, <laughs> another chronicle of the old man times. You know, <laughs> um, that's funny. You've so, seen gross point blank though. I figured you wouldn't have had seen that one. Uh, it's been, that's a, kind of a, a Cusack deep cut. Yeah. It, it's been a long time, but I have seen it. Uh, so pretty much fresh eyes with Mothman we're going into here. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I don't even like to read the little descriptions on prime or, or whatever. Netflix. Because then I, I'm such a dickhead when I watch stuff like you don't even, say. Even I know, shocker, huh? <laughs> even even like a brief little synopsis where it's like a uh, uh, disgraced cop looking for redemption searches for the killer of his daughter or whatever. Anything like that. The entire time, I can't. I can't really like get get into the lead up because I'm always looking for little things like oh I wonder if this is the guy that d- does whatever or I wonder if I wonder if this is foreshadowing for that I, I'd much rather just go into it like I don't know anything I'm not even going to try to do that prediction thing I was just talking to our, right. our a friend of ours the other day about this boss I had who if I, I would I would be telling him something to his face like hey I'm just going to run to the back and grab a new thing and I'll be right back he would do this thing where he would look at you and as you're speaking, he would try to mouth what you were saying, but, oh, predict, yeah. but predict what you were about to say. So if I was like, Hey, I, I got to run to the back to grab a stack of things. His face would be like, I, I, you're, I'm going to the back to, 
and it was fine. Like he was a nice enough guy, but it was such a weird little tick that he had. That's how I am with, with books or movies and stuff. Any, any weird little detail. I'm like, Oh, mm, I need to overly key in on this thing. You know, so I'd, I'd much rather just sit back and watch it like I'm a golden retriever and just enjoying it in the moment. So, yeah, yeah, like this one I happened to catch. It's like uh, when his wife dies, <laughs> Richard Gere looks into what happened or, or, or whatever, super brief. And then she dies and has a brain tumor. I'm like, well, that, I think that's pretty much that. Uh, so I don't know what he's going to investigate as far as her death, but. Yeah, just, that's just cool that a, they kind of use that as a beard for the description because that's like not even like one sixteenth. Well, maybe a little bit more. That's like one tenth of this movie. Well, it, it seems like the connection to his wife becomes incidental rather than integral to the story. Right. One yeah. could argue. Well, yeah, he finds himself in the middle of this thing and it's like, oh, shit, this has to do with my wife instead of like something weird happened to my wife. I'm going to go investigate. Right. Yeah. Well said. Um, that's funny. The thing with the with the mouth that you're talking about, I don't know if it's the same thing, but my mom actually does it, and I've caught myself doing it. People have said that I've I do it. I guess it's more of a, uh, and I don't know if this is the same thing, but sometimes I get like overly excited, like I know what someone else is gonna say, and I'm just like. <laughs> my mom does it all the time. Like I see her, she's trying to like sound it out. She's like. Yeah, exactly. It's, it is weird when you see it. Like when I noticed that my mom did it, I kind of internally chuckled and like, it's, uh, it's funny. Like I, I see now cause people are like, dude, you do this. Are you the devil? You do this weird thing sometimes when you're like, <laughs> and your mouth starts. I'm like, I don't do that. That's no. So when I saw my mom do it, I was like, oh fuck, I can see it now. That's but, funny. Yeah, it's just a weird little quirk. I mean, this guy ended up turning out to be a child molester, so I don't know what that says about you and your family. But oh fuck, I guess we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not a good look. Um, no, I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> what, Thanks, a, what a what a controversial stand you're taking. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is a different thing, though. Um, so <laughs> going into uh, Mothman, what'd you, oh, well, I guess let's cut to the chase. What did you think of it? Oh, I liked it. It was fun. It was, it was spooky. I, I know we've talked about it before. I can't stand scary movies that just prey on like startling you. I much mm-hmm. prefer the kind of like slow psychological, the slow burn, scary stuff where I, dude i got chills watching this movie like five different times like oh that's just creepy yes. yeah that's why i think this has staying power it's like because when i watch it now i know what to expect but i still remember the first time i watched it why it, i liked it and why it creeped me out you know so i can put myself back there but yeah that first time like there are some like legitimate like points that are just like it's not like overt in your face it's more about you know the whole what you can't see is more you know, when your imagination runs wild, but also like some of the camera angles they use. And like, even that, that fucking single note piano mm-hmm. drop kind of, it's not really a stinger like that, that you would use in a jump scare, but just like the way they place it kind of off key, like, 
Uh-huh. Like, that stuff was like <laughs> it's super creepy just like the way that it's yeah but uh yeah i agree this is one that's like not it doesn't prey upon like jump scares and, and that kind of thing it's like genuinely got some creepy points cool so you liked it i didn't think i was thinking too i was like uh, when i watched it again i was like uh, i can see him because it does run a little bit long the- even for me too in a, in a chunk of it the 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 corniness Richter scale was registering a little bit towards <laughs> towards the end, yeah. But it definitely. it didn't it didn't really get too high. The uh, the bridge, you know, pretty much the finale was like, all right, that you're losing me a little bit, but we're we've yeah. we've come we've come too far, so it's fine. But yeah. yeah, I mean, even if even if you just thought about the premise of a Mothman, I'm like, this sounds really fucking dumb. But <laughs> but it was it was cool and it I feel like they they tied it in together pretty well and I do like anything that's sort of based loosely upon true events even though the cynical side of me is like well how how true are these events yeah <laughs> um yeah, this one's definitely like it, it's it's a cryptid, you know, so it's up there in the same league automatically as Loch Ness, Bigfoot, uh, mm-hmm. the Yeti, the you know, the Yowie. If you're in Australia, <laughs> um, fuck, I I was searching for some Australian slang, but I don't know any really. Uh, the only one I know by osmosis is uh, a bogan. Have you ever heard of what a uh, heard anyone? He's oh yeah, Matt. He's a proper bogan. No, it's like a like a meathead, like a like a like a cooter, or like just like a. Uh, I guess you would call him like a a Chad, just like a bro that's like kind of dumb and um, he's just an asshole, it's a piece of shit, bogan. Anywho, oh, um. Um, as a, uh, yeah, as a huge fan of the Crocodile Hunter growing up, I don't know if you've ever watched. Oh yeah, uh, the the his kid, his wife or his widow, and his kids. They still run that zoo down there. And oh yeah, have a show on Animal Planet, dude. I fucking love that show so much. I haven't seen that show. I'm just I'm aware. I've seen them on social media, and I'm aware that like the kids grown up and they've kind of followed in his footsteps. And I just saw something there like. I was curious, like, how he would feel about it, because it felt a little corporate, but I guess that they built these, like, fucking high-class, like, chalets in Australia. I can't remember what it's called, like, Croc Village or some shit like that, but, I mean, the the idea, like, conservation is at the core of that, and, like, it, it offers people, like, a chance to, like, lit, um, to stay within the zoo, like within the zoo walls and these really nice chalets that you can um, stay in and you can see animals and shit like walking by like your fucking room, like you're having coffee. So that's kind of cool. But um, yeah, I know that they've, they've continued to do stuff and they've done well. Um, But yeah, I watched the OG show. That was, that dude was super good. Super rad dude. I've actually like to get to go fucking full cheese ball. He I've seen a clip of him talking about his daughter and he like almost chokes up. Like oh, yeah. but it's funny. It's funny too because he's like, What is he saying? They ask him something, he's like he's like, Oh, might if you would ask me when I was twenty five years old, 
if I would have had kids, what am I doing with my future, my life? He's like, I couldn't give a rip. You know, yeah. he was like, I'm just there. I'm doing this. Bah, bah. He's like, and then he talks about, you know, when he had his daughter, he's just like, oh, mate. He's like, I can't even talk about it right now. He's like, I'm going to get choked up. Like, yeah. so I, I thought that was, that was pretty cool. But yeah, he was, yeah. A, he was a good dude. It sucks. That yeah. He's fucking taken that way. They played a, shit aside. Yeah. They, they played a lot of those type of tear jerking clips in the episode where she's like getting married and oh i bet fuck yeah Yeah. they're just trying they're like we're gonna try to make you cry as hard as we can yeah but step one roll on the ball rolling a ball on the floor don't cry (laughs) cry a lot um (laughs) yeah where where did we leave off sorry with moth just Um, that you liked it yeah, just that I liked it. We were talking about true events. Oh, that's the point I wanted to make. I, I thought this was interesting in because you know how many how many based on a true story and like uh-huh. these were based on true events that occurred and blah blah blah. Like any opportunity that you would have to tie it to that, I feel like it, that's exploited or like that would be used. So I thought it was interesting that this makes no mention of this is based on events that happened in Point Pleasant in 1967. Or I thought there might be at least something. They literally when say I f- that at the very beginning of the movie. Does it? Yeah. Did I completely miss that? <laughs> Fuck. My bad. It, it right. couldn't be any more at the very beginning. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, it's like a black screen. It's like this is based on it like literally what you just said verbatim is what the little screen said (laughs) (laughs) remove foot from mouth um remove pastry from yeah (laughs) i see where they're going with this okay so you're saying there's a chance well uh totally suicide bomb to that one well you could just say like well yeah but still um (laughs) (laughs) All, everything I just said notwithstanding. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, point completely disregarded. Uh, so this is based on true events, but from the, the stuff that I looked at, because I remember when I first watched this, this was like 2004. Like I just watched it and I didn't like read up about it, you know? And yeah. then, so like subsequently, like, you know, I looked into the backstory and not too deeply, but um because I consider this pretty wild, like cryptid shit, I think is kind of like fun, like in a gee whiz kind of way, but I've never gone like deep down the rabbit hole of Bigfoot or Loch Ness or anything like, like as opposed to the way I have with like JFK. Um, so when I actually looked in for this episode, uh, they changed a ton of shit for the movie. Did you, did you see that too? Or mm-hmm. did you just watch yeah. the flick? No, I, I mean, I didn't do a ton of deep dive research, but I, I did read a decent amount. And, and yeah, there was there was a lot of liberties taken, a lot of um, creative license, I think. Yeah. But it does sound but, like some weird shit was going on in that town. That's for sure. Yeah. And I will say, I think the point I was driving at uh, about the intro, uh, I feel like for as Hollywood as they made this film... I think they could have done a lot worse. Like yeah. they could have, they could have fucked it up real bad. Even though, it like, I mean, it almost shares nothing from what actually happened outside of like sightings of the Mothman. Like everything else, like the the storyline in the film, like Richard Gere, Will Patton's story, uh, like his wife is like 
an amalgamation of another person and like in a fictional character. Um, I think the same with Laura Linney's character of the sheriff, Connie. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, yeah, I, I liked it for the story that they told. Um, not so, not, not putting my, like, how accurate was this hat on? Um, I like, I just like the story at face value, but yeah, it doesn't really share if, if you go in and, or you're already familiar with Mothman and watch this, I could see someone having problems like, Hey, that didn't happen that way or yeah but i mean even just like the first the first little really weird kind of wrinkle that happens is when he ends up in the yes. town and like that cool little moment where he looks at the map and he's like looking for the town on the border between you know maryland and virginia or whatever he's like no we're on the border of ohio and west virginia yeah I was yeah it's like, oh, like ohio state line it's <laughs> like fuck i really hope that's one of the one of the details that that is factual it's not i didn't see that anywhere but yeah even just even just something as simple as that like damn that's really cool i wish that would be real yeah yeah and because what is it it's so he he leaves washington dc at like one in the morning Mm -hmm. and then around 3 30 he's on these the border of Ohio and West Virginia, which is, I think in the movie, 400 miles yeah, in 90 minutes. Um, or yeah, 90 ish minutes, two hours from one, from one until two thirty is what he said. Okay. And, uh, yeah, that would be, and I mean, there's, I think that's kind of related to, have you ever heard of missing time? Like mm-hmm. in alien shit, alien abductions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I thought that was interesting because it made me think automatically, oh, like missing time, like some alien shit going on. But, and that would be cool. I mean, but that, if that were true, that would be a way more known fact or something that, that people point to in like conspiracy thir- circles, you know, like this dude traveled X amount of miles and it's like physically impossible. Um, but I've heard, you know, like missing time, like, like people like they miss like 10 minutes here. Like they miss 25 minutes or, you know, like something's fucked up with their watch even too. like something stopped the motor in their watch. And so stuff like that, that, that is quote unquote has credibility on it. They're much like tighter intervals. Whereas this one, it's like, it makes you, and that's why I like having my movie goer hat on like right away. This one got me like, I'm a sucker for like maps and like distances and shit like that. So like that whole angle was like, Oh fuck, how did he end up there? You know, like it kind of, that that's the first thing that kind of draws you in, in my opinion too. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same way with maps and stuff. I actually read my dad. Let me borrow. It's such a dorky thing to say. Ken Jennings, (laughs) Ken Jennings wrote a book called map head. And it's just all about like, it's like a memoir of a young autist and how much he loves maps. And he, he says that in there multiple times, but uh, yeah, it was, it was super boring. It took me forever to get through like 10 pages at a time. And by the end of it, I was like, I guess I don't love maps like as much as I thought I did. Yeah. But, But yeah, I'm the same way. Like it is, it is interesting. And you were talking about missing time. We were talking before we started recording about uh, the times that we've like drank just a little bit too much, and oh, definitely, yeah. definitely had some missing time moments there. <laughs> oh yeah, dude! I remember one time. That's that's kind of what freaked me out. Like 
in my younger college era after I had blacked out a couple times, I was like, yeah, I need to, that's, this is not my thing. Cause I don't like that. That feeling is just so yeah. weird when people tell you what you did uh-huh. and you're like fully able-bodied and functioning like that tripped me out the first time. Like, cause wait, you, what I was having a conversation with this person and it like made sense. And cause you had like alcohol that, like, poisoning be, one time, right? Yeah. That, that was kind of like the kicker. I think I had blacked out like two or three times maybe. And then I got alcohol poisoning and blacked and that out. Was and that was pretty bad. That was pretty intense. Yeah. It was like, I remember it was my buddy's birthday and there was a party going on at the house and I got him a bottle of crown Royal and he, he showed up and I was like, all right, it's your birthday. It's like, we're taking four shots right now. And I had just gotten off work and I, I don't think I'd eaten since like 1 PM and mm-hmm. it was like 10 30 maybe. Classic. And so I, round, I, I lined up four shots. I don't know why just fucking picked the number out of the sky. I, we're doing four shots of crown right now and I poured them up and we just slammed them. And I swear to God, dude, like the last, the fourth shot, I remember shooting it, <laughs> reaching in my pocket, like automatic, like a robot grabbing out a, a cigarette, lighting it up. And then bam, like instant, like you're going through like a, a tunnel on a roller coaster ride. And then I wake up in the hospital and I have like, my shirt is ripped down the front. I have like heart monitors on my on my stomach and chest and i have one shoe on in my <laughs> pants and i woke up and they were like what they say like you had i blew like a 0.2 something so pretty shitty yeah um i think it was a 0.28 i want to say and um yeah the late like a nurse came up to me and gave me like discharge paper or something a scratch of paper and she was like she's like you blew up a 0.2 whatever um that's that's very dangerous. You need to be careful. Off you go. Like, and then thanks. Yeah, there's a cab out front. I like walked. It was like didn't break motion. Like got up, grabbed that. She said that. Thank you. Sorry. I'm a I'm a piece of shit. Uh, I walked straight into the cab. It drops me off at home. And then I sat like a vegetable on the couch, like with no shirt on and one shoe, just like thinking about life and like contemplating, like having the worst like someone like like the people like that work on railroads that like beat in a a a a tie like a railroad tie yeah it was like someone doing that like every 45 seconds like all day i had like a almost two-day hangover but yeah that was fucked up so what time did you wake up in the hospital like how how much longer after that time i don't know man it could have been ten thirty a.m. or it could oh have really? Been, Holy shit! It could have been like three p.m. I can't honestly. Oh, I can't fuck. remember. Because I was I was picturing you guys started drinking at like ten or eleven or whatever you said, and then yeah, it was you're, like you're in 10, the hospital at like two a.m. or something. But no, it wasn't that late. It was definitely morning. It was definitely that is a like long. Post. Yeah, that's a long time to be out. Yeah. Do you know how you got yeah, to the hospital? Uh, one of my buddies had to go take me cause I was like at the, like the, the cap at the very end was, I was like throwing up uncontrollably. Like it was just coming out and like, and then it started to get, it looked like a little bloody, nice. I think. So they were like, okay, I think I trashed his car. I had to help him clean it. Yeah. They took me there and they had to, they had to pump my stomach with charcoal Yeah. to get me to stop vomiting, I guess. But yeah, that's definitely a low point. Um, for G baby. Yeah. So then, yeah, like, 
I didn't really, I wasn't like an alcoholic. I just kind of like, you know, the standard college, you know, you binge drink yeah. on the weekends and you like work hard, play hard kind of thing. Sure. And, um, so, which is fine. Like I, I, I can have booze and be okay. But like, then I was like hard liquor. I just, it doesn't. And it was always like vodka and like whiskey, like shitty whiskey. I remember one time I blacked out on like Canadian mist or black velvet, I think. And that was one of the roughest fucking hangovers ever. Yeah. That night I blacked out. There was a big old gal that was like nursing uh 40 of old English. And I guess I walked right up to her. I snatched it out of her hand and I pounded the whole thing right in front of her face. And I was like, you were nursing that. And I was like, that's not how you drink OE. And then like, me and her were like simpatico. Like when I was just chatting her up, she was like my my pal the rest of the night. And I was like, dude, that sounds like such an awesome memory. And I fucking nothing. So yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Like I was like, yeah, no more drinking. That that shit's fucked up. But yeah, like the idea of missing time and like not not being in in control of your body is like a fucked up notion to me. Yeah. Well, it's like when we talked about when I had my little sleepwalking thing. The worst feeling I can think of is waking up in the morning and someone's like, do you remember what you did last night? It's like, Oh yeah. God, God Any, anything could come out of your mouth right now. And I've, I'm not prepared for it. It's scary. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a total dirtbag. <laughs> Cringe. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. That's funny that you're, you key in on maps and stuff. Like I swear to God, sometimes I'll get like, I'll, be just looking at like an area like plan on vacationing or something and mm-hmm. i'll i'll go down a rabbit hole for like oh shit 90 minutes just elapsed and i was just like nerding on google maps like yeah like jesus christ tokyo is huge yeah um, you just drop a pin in the middle of uganda like how did i get here yeah dude. <laughs> i'm also um, i also do it for like to try to be as efficient as possible especially if i'm traveling somewhere for the first time like, cause I hate being somewhere and having to rely on my GPS. Like, wait, where am I? Which direction am I going? Yeah. So bef- before I go somewhere, especially if it's like casino related stuff, it's like, okay, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go here. I want to just get the sort of picture in my mind before I go there and not have to deal with like, let me figure out where I am and turn on my whatever. And it's just so inefficient, See, like a waste of time yeah. for me. You got to plot it out like an assassin. I, yeah, I like to. I like, I'm also just kind of a planner in general. Yeah. Like I, I like to overly plan. And so it's just like, if you were, if you were older, I could see you being like Robert De Niro and meet the fuckers. Like you have an itinerary for the family and shit. Yeah. Like <laughs> everyone not, turn to page two of your itinerary. Um, that's not far <laughs> off. Like it's eight 15. We're supposed to be on our way by now <laughs> because if we're late, uh, then we're going to have to push push back croquet and snacks <laughs> <laughs> we're supposed to have finger sandwiches and brunch um that's funny Jerusalem yeah, I, to oh you don't know shit about flowers <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah uh there's another like weird kind of quirk in this film that it, it, it kind of teases a little bit that I, that I'm a big sucker for like in films and in general too. I'm, I'm curious to hear your take. So like once, 
uh, Richard Gere is our main character, obviously. So once once he travels this fucking impossible distance, he's in like this country bumpkin West Virginia town called Point Pleasant, which is actually the real. That's where uh, most of these Mothman sightings happen in the late sixties. And the Silver Bridge is an actual thing, and it actually collapsed. But um, so he finds himself there, and I don't know if we'll touch on or really try to overly synopsize this film, but like. I liked Will Patton a lot in this. He kind of bumps into him and there's a weird thing where Will Patton's like freaked out. He's like, this is the third night in a row you've knocked at my door. Cause, cause he's his fucking car breaks down. And, uh, Richard Gere's like, what the fuck? And, uh, so he like points, he takes him inside his house with shotgun to his head. Like, what are you doing on my property? Kind of thing. So that's another additional like source of weirdness. So someone's mimicking Richard Gere for the past two nights anyway so the cops come the next major character is laura linney uh or connie played by laura linney who i'm i think i'm a pretty big fan of i'd like most of her stuff namely congo yeah truman show she was really good in truman show oh yeah she was that that's what, what she that's what in? jumped out to me the most she's also in primal fear also with Richard Gere as well, which is a good flick with Edward I have Norton. Not, I, th- I have not seen that. It's not about a kid and a lawyer or something. Yeah. Uh, and Catholic Church. Um, yeah. I think that was Edward Norton's like breakout role. Is it anything 96. similar to the movie Sleepers? I feel like those are sort of kind connected of. in my mind. Yeah, they both came out the same year in 96, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. That must be um, it then. But yeah, they're also similar to deal with like a Catholic like reformatory, I think it is, and like crooked ass guards in sleepers. Okay. At, and then Primal Fear is like this dude was like an altar boy and he was getting fucking diddled. What's that line from The Departed? He's like over there sucking little boys' peckas. You yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't remember. It's been so long, <laughs> dude. That part's so fucking funny. Jack Nicholson. I need to rewatch it. It's been a long time. Dude, yeah, The Departed's one, like, it's heavy, man. I, I, I think I've seen it twice. I watched it right when it came out, and I watched it, like, five, six years ago. I think that's a good one to, like, flashback to, like, every five plus years. Yeah, it's got a hell of a cast. Yeah. Dude, Mark Wahlberg. Fuck, he's so good in that one, too. I'm not a big Mark Wahlberg guy, but I've that movie's, like, tailor-made for him. Yeah, I'm kind of, I don't know, ambivalent about him. But I, me too. Have you, have you ever seen the big hit? God, how, dude, how did I forget this? I remember, I used to give you shit all the time for liking the big hit. So and I had never, I had never seen it. It's well, I mean, it's not like it's it's not Just, like it's actually a good movie, but it's super funny. Yeah, but it's 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 an enjoyable romp. It is so funny. I love that movie. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> When, I remember when seeing the, the trailer as a kid and being like, no. The chick who they kidnap, she's doing the recording and she's like reading what they've written down, but these guys are fucking stupid. And so what they've written down doesn't make any sense. And, <laughs> but so she's reading it literally the way they're, they've written it and they're getting frustrated. And she's like, you wrote this. I don't know what you want me to do. I'm reading what you wrote on the paper. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> yeah. And Mark Wahlberg's just chugging like, um, Maylox the entire time because he's got a, a ulcer or something. An ulcer, yeah. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. I totally missed that one. I always conflate that one. I think with the way of the gun, 
with Benicio del Toro. Yeah, I only remember the first like scene of that movie because it's like Sarah Silverman in the parking lot, right? And he's like, "Shut that bitch up, or I'll come over there and fuck start her head." Fuck start her head. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's what everyone remembers about yeah. that movie. She's like, "You um, like to fuck babies, you baby fucker." <laughs> <laughs> oh man um okay where was i oh damn we sp- we really fucking spiraled from laura linney yeah um i want to say she was also in the exorcism of emily rose and i liked her in that a lot too but yeah god god tier laura linney i think is congo it's such a fucking good movie dude we should cover that one even though you've seen congo right yeah it's it's been forever the only I think I even said this before. The only part I remember is when she like reaches over her shoulder and pulls over like the eyeball. Yeah. That's actually Bruce Campbell from evil dead. How fun. There's a connection. How fun. Um, actually I wrote, I read the book too. uh, Michael Crichton Congo looks really good. I I actually like Crichton. Some of like his stuff. Like I read, I remember weirdly like younger reading uh jurassic park uh the og the book and it's fucking really dope uh like it doesn't play like the movie to me like it's it's almost like more like horror like it's it's pretty intense but and then andromeda strain and then congo were all bangers i can't remember if i was just telling you this or um my other buddy that i like to golf with a lot about my friend when I was growing up who used to read Michael Crichton a lot, but we were going to Christian school at the time. And so oh he boy. Would, all the Michael Crichton books he would read, he would keep a Sharpie close by. And anytime there was a swear word no. in it, he would black it out. And even in <sighs> second grade, I was like, you are such a fucking dork. Good, <laughs> good guy though. Shout out to uh, Thomas. I will hold his last name back. Good kid. <laughs> Shout out to Tom. Yeah. He was um, just like that perfect kid that every parent wanted. He's like, I'm going to black out all the bad words. <laughs> God. Oh, fuck. That makes me think of uh, when I was a youth, there was some kids at the end of the cul-de-sac that like people, t- p- there were like legends about how nerdy they were. Like I had never, I've only, I'd only see them come out of the house like five times in six years. And these they looked like Bill Gates's kids, and like I guess they grew up on a computer and like books. But I remember like l- like legend around the cul-de-sac. Like one of the people was like, "Yeah, they go in there and for fun, they read and they, they go through words in the dictionary and write down the definitions." I was like, "Oh fuck, like, <laughs> that's fucked up, man!" Um, and you're just you're just there in your mullet and Kool Aid mustache, like that's fucked up. <laughs> Oh, fuck. That's not far off, man. I had a mullet in first grade up to maybe even second it. grade. The <laughs> rare the rare mullet slash buzz flat top combo. Straight up flat top into mullet, like hard, <laughs> like like zero transitional space, just like hard, like perpendicular into fucking So for those plunge. who don't know I always, I always give Jim a hard time that as a kid, he has this alter ego 
uh, named Kevin that we haven't talked about in a while. <clears throat> Which, you know, Kevin would be like one of the O'Doyle brothers and Billy Madison. But when I think yeah. of when I think of your bully alter ego child, Kevin, that's what I picture. That like red haired, flat top, <laughs> mullet. Yeah, Kool-Aid mustache. Cut off. I didn't have red hair. I only, I only have a red beard. Uh, don't take this. From I was me. like, dude, I I was like, I had a. It was probably worse this way. I was like a toehead as a kid. Like I was completely <laughs> like platinum, platinum blonde until that like is worse. Ninth grade, yeah, dude. It was like super blonde. Yeah, and then I grow up and I have dark brown hair and red facial hair. Um, what percentage of your childhood were you barefoot? Not as much as you would think. Okay. I was actually, I was actually kind of, no, yeah, I wasn't that backwoods. Um, kind of like by a, like guilt by association. Cause a lot of my cousins and stuff were, but yeah, I I was classified as a tenderfoot. I didn't like going barefoot very often. Oh dude, I'm the same way. My shoes like come on when I get out of bed and they stay on. <laughs> fucking <laughs> sambas that you have a lifetime supply of <laughs> uh i've got the uh new balance today oh dude yeah i actually i treated myself to a pair of a new new balance the 574s uh last week some crispy white ones and uh <laughs> and they are engage dude fully no these are like actually like show dogs like uh <laughs> It's got this dope like Notre Dame like outline on the end, like like navy blue, gold, like the back heel. I'm sneaker heading out a little bit, but they're 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 dope. They're they're not the prototypical like uh the navy blue and fucking white dogs yeah. that you see every male forty five to sixty five wearing mowing the lawn every weekend. I didn't go that far into dad mode, but I'm getting there. The shorts are starting to creep up the knee that's how you know (laughs) (laughs) oh man hey this is comfortable and functional notre dame took a loss this weekend how do you feel about that i not not well they didn't look strong i thought their defense although i will say this to apologies to people who don't fucking like sports i don't really either but i rep notre dame college football so deal with it uh I thought they actually outplayed, they out-toughed Ohio State, I feel like. <laughs> they just, too many mental mistakes, and yeah, they, they lost 21-10, to 10, I think. But they had them on the ropes 10-7 to 7 yeah. until like yeah. the end of the third quarter. So It was, it was uh, closer than the score would lead you to believe. Yeah, sure. totally. That last score was just like a fucking gimme. But yeah, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not too tore up about it. How much do you love the expression garbage time? I love garbage time. Yeah. Do you want to explain what that is for uh, the dorks who don't like sports? (laughs) (laughs) Garbage time is like the last two-ish minutes of a game where... On, it actually applies to both sides. Like if you're like younger and you're like second, third, fourth string, that's the time where you're going to get playing time if you're losing or if you're winning too, uh, unless you're an asshole. So if you're winning and you're beating the shit out of a team or you're just beating them and there's no chance that they'll come back and it's like the last two minutes of the game, you can pour it on. Or usually you'll bring in your you know second, third, fourth string on offense too. So it's like 
it's a time to either run up the score or it's also garbage time because all the scrubs are in and like this game is yeah. a foregone conclusion. I would <clears throat> I would define it as a score when the game is already decided. It no longer matters. So if if a team's winning forty, that's to more, 20, more that's much more succinct and cogent than my explanation. So if, if a team <laughs> winning forty to twenty with a minute left and there's no chance of a comeback and they score again to go 47-27. That last touchdown, it, it really doesn't reflect right. you know, it's the just actual slough. margin of victory. It's like, oh, okay, well, the game's over, so this doesn't matter, but whatever. Yeah, yeah like it, like if we want to get real, they lost 14-10. to 10, But um, go, my favorite sports team, go. Um, <laughs> Beat your opponent <laughs> soundly. Soundly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh fuck! Shout out to Brian Regan. Yeah, that's like the one clean comedic act that I that really like will hit my fucking tuning fork. You know, there's not many like clean acts. Nate Nate Bargatze's also up on that. He's level. awesome too. Yeah. yeah. I almost feel like he could fucking he could like eclipse that wherever he's at if he played a little bit more blue. But yeah, that's just me. Maybe he's just he's he's got his niche and there, he's got his shit dialed. But there is a sweet spot for clean comedians for sure because they can also, yeah. even if they don't make a money uh, make all their money from touring, clean comedians can make a shit ton of money doing like corporate events. And yeah. I've heard I've heard Nate Bargatze say like, you you may have heard the expression like oh this person's a comedian's comedian like Dave Attell or some something mm-hmm. where it's like oh every comedian loves and respects this person Nate Nate Bargatze says he is every comedian's parents comedian <laughs> <laughs> but yeah he's su- super funny I love his shit that he gets into like with his wife. There's one about like the airport. He's like, I don't think you could make it to the airport if the airplane was in the driveway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's got his cadence and like the, the, he's got like an affectation when he talks mm-hmm. to, I think yeah. really works for him. Um, yeah. He is good. Yeah. I can't think of any others. Sinbad. Dude. When Sinbad one is in his prime, dude, he's is got he, a couple specials. He's a clean are, comedian though. Oh yeah. Well, I don't want to talk out of school. I know he has two clean specials that he's like really known for. I can't remember what the fuck is the first one called. I think it's like something and uh, it's the one where he's wearing like a basketball jumpsuit and it's like it's You're gonna all have to one colorway. Okay, so it's like No, I don't know. He looks like he has like uh like warm-ups, like basketball okay. warm-ups and they're blue like like uh, like an electric blue and black and it's got the swirl pattern and it matches up with the, the, the top that he has on. It's like okay. a, like a windbreaker uh, one piece that he's wearing Sick. that special, but it's like denim <laughs> dude. That special oh, is so fucking good, dude. It's so good. I, I I'll put that up there with a lot of other like blue acts. I would, I would have to say that's at least top 10, like all time specials for me is Sinbad's when he's got that jumpsuit on. Gaffigan runs clean too. He's not my favorite, but, um, yeah, he's one of the few I can think of who actually does clean stuff. But yeah, Brian Regan was my first 
foray into like clean comedy where it's like, oh fuck, this guy actually is like funny, like bringing down the house, totally clean. But yeah, side tangent. Um, yeah. So where we leave off with Mothman, he so he's palling around with Laura Linney. That's how we yep. got there. We started mm-hmm. with Laura Linney, yep. uh, handsome woman. She so she starts she's, palling around. She's very pretty. Yeah, she she's like a classic. She's got like a classic beauty to me. Uh, kind of ruddy complexion, kind of red. What does that mean? Like uh, like her skin doesn't look great. She's kind of pale. Ruddy. It's kind Should of save that shot. one for the old. <laughs> Is it? I don't know. Hey, I know. I know some people that are into that porcelain skin and red hair. Jessica Chastain, um, handsome woman. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on a kick hearing that, so I just want to use it because I think it sounds funny. I could be completely wrong. So, anyway, he's. I thought it was funny how quick he starts palling around with her, and she's like, "You know, there's been some other weird shit going on in this town too. Want to go through it?" And so then he's like playing like, you know, kid detective and. There's like this montage. This is my other favorite, like kind of trope is people going through files or documents of like missing shit. And like they're going, combing through details like that kind of, this isn't like a true montage, but that's what they start doing. And then they start tackling like, okay, then we go into like these cases that she's talking about that are weird, like sightings of the Mothman and this and that. Is that something that you gravitate towards too? Or is that just me? Yeah, I mean, not really in particular. One of my one of my favorite things is, and it happens not too long after this when he goes to find the author, and he's yes. like, "Hey, I need I need to talk to you. This is crazy." And the guy's like, "Go away, leave me alone." And he's like, "Can I can I talk to you?" And he's like, "Follow me." I'm like, wow, you really gave <laughs> that up. <laughs> yes the find the expert the sage shaman to help guide you through this and he plays gruff and then breaks down immediately he wore him down pretty (laughs) fucking quick (laughs) well i will say and i wrote this down too because i remember thinking that but to his credit he goes out of his way he drives i don't know how many how many hundreds of miles from west virginia to chicago couple hundred miles he drives to him the first time and is like hey this weird shit's happening and then he plays the gruff he's like yeah you don't know what you're dealing with get the fuck out of here and then it you know it cuts back into something else in the film he does there is a pretty big segue between him coming back the second time and kind of sweating him on like hey he gives him an example like hey this happened the fucking the 99 will die on den to denver on flight nine like he so I, f- I feel like there's a little bit more massaging, but he does come down pretty quick. No, I, I am think, I misremembering that. I think their first interaction is when he calls him and he's like, Oh, I'm, I don't really want to talk about this or whatever. But then when he shows up, he's like, Hey, I called you the other day and he's like, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. And he's like, come on. He's like, all right, follow me. <laughs> okay. It, it seems. Yeah, like that he- is, that is a trope for sure. <laughs> I love it. And a lot of shit. There's one too, like kind of like, kind of like that. And I think it's, it's either insidious or I think it's sinister actually with Ethan Hawke and, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio plays the expert. That's like, get off my lawn. Okay. I'll help you. Um, but 
Yeah, that is that's definitely a trope that sticks out. So like that other shit, I'm I'm curious if you've seen these films too. That like if if that scratches your like weird OCD itch of seeing people going through files and shit like that, there's a really good movie. I mean, even aside of that, it's a really good fucking movie. It's called Dark Waters with Mark Ruffalo. Came out in 2018. Have you ever heard of it? Seen of it? No. It was like a. It's so it's like a based on a true story, but it's like uh, this lawyer who start, he represents this country bumpkin in like West Virginia. I think it is coincidentally Uh, maybe Pennsylvania, but it's like uh, it's a legal case and a fight that dragged out with DuPont for chemically poisoning like waterways and shit, uh, developing Teflon for cookware and shit. And it like poisoned all the workers in this town. They fucking just dumped shit indiscriminately to like, uh, all the local waterways. So everyone there like cancer rape shot through the roof. And so uh-huh. Mark Ruffalo, he's this lawyer with like a heart of gold, like a bleeding heart fucking lawyer. Yeah. And he takes on this case and he digs into it and dude, there's so much fucking file porn in that movie of like him going through shit and cross referencing and like, but any, besides that, that's a really good fucking movie. Um, and it reminds it's me of fucked that. up too. A civil action with Travolta. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah. Kind of similar it's, vibe. Like, it's like that on steroids, basically. I don't like Mark Ruffalo, and I don't know why. <laughs> that's a bold statement. Watch him in Dark yeah. Waters. I, it might change your mind. He's a. That's one thing. Over the years, I'm like, dude, he's a good fucking actor. He he really is, man. Like in Deep Waters. Or Dark Waters, he's excellent. And Spotlight with Michael Keaton about have you seen that about the clergy no. in like Boston Mass? Uh-uh. The uh, uh, it was it was like one of the big cases in like twenty. The movie came out in twenty fifteen. I can't remember what the time period is that they're covering. I think pretty close to that, maybe mid aughts, maybe two thousand tens, when like the lid really got blown off. Fucking uh, the. Uh, Catholic church in that area, you know, like the Eastern seaboard yeah, getting popped and like, fuck, like really the most fucked up shit and how they would like rehabilitate them and then just recycle them through the farm system of, of yeah. Catholic churches and shit. The and, rehabilitate like, was a was problem. Just, would they would just relocate? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Totally brushed it under the carpet. You know, they had their couple like scapegoats that they would try to use, but it was like, it was a rampant, like really fucked up problem. It yeah. was like, yeah. Anyway, he plays a reporter in that with, along with Michael Keaton's excellent in it. Uh, it's called spotlight. It's really fucking good. I think it won an Oscar, but that's one of the few, I've heard, like I've heard it's good. Yeah. One of the mainstream, like consensus, like it, it deserved all the praise that it got kind of thing. It, it really draws you in and it's like, it's uh, the acting's really well done. It, it feels, I mean, it's a Hollywood movie, but it feels pretty true. Like it doesn't, it doesn't feel like really dressed up, but he's really good in that one too. That one changed my mind about him a lot. He plays a really, a really good like beat reporter. That's just like, like a dog for facts and like getting to the bottom of shit, which I love that, that kind of movie where someone's like trying to get to the bottom of something like Pelican brief with our friend Denzel. And, uh, what's her face? Aaron Brockovich. Julia Roberts? Julia Roberts. I haven't seen it, but yeah, those like research montages where they're finding stuff. That is always satisfying. The only thing missing was the fucking microfiche. I was like, oh man. (laughs) I love that. 
give me a scene of microfiche and it's like on it's automatically jumped up like five points um speaking uh, of I guess, Denzel oh yeah okay so we have we have a new um uh we, I, we did it last week it wasn't an official uh segment but now we so we've titled it it's called Denzel devotionals where we'll play weekly a just like a pearl of wisdom that uh, the elder statesman Denzel Washington has dropped um, this one doesn't have much like comedic value I don't think but um, I liked it a lot so let's get into it here all right and now it's time for our weekly. Denzel Devotional. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. <laughs> oh, I'm so fucking proud of that. You don't even know. No. Um, all right. So here, here, here's our man. Pain is passed down from father to son and son to son. A lot of pain in Troy's life is a result of the pain and the damage from his father that he then visits on his son. Sometimes it's unfair, and sometimes we take it out on those we love. And, and I'm, 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 I'm guilty of that frustration that we all have. But we have a responsibility and a duty to be fathers, not to just make babies, but to be real fathers. And you can't expect any good to come to you if you don't visit any good on your son or your daughter. So be a man. It's funny because that uh, that clip is, uh, yeah, it's great, awesome. But the clip looks like it's on it's on like a red carpet where he's walking by, and it'd be so funny if she's like, "Well, that's great and everything, but I just I just was asking what you're wearing," and he just goes on this long <laughs> diatribe about fatherhood. You're like, all right, thanks. <laughs> Like Jesus Christ! I was just trying to get a five-second fucking sound by who he's <laughs> yeah. wearing. Yeah, Tom Ford. Sorry. Um, yeah, <laughs> that would be funny. Yeah, I love the just the mic drop too because I've been watching those. Uh, I've been seeing stuff on like Instagram and TikTok that new that be a man guy. He's like from Boston, and he's like he just has these like ten-second little stupid like uh belligerent dad isms like you like one of them's like um if you're having an emergency don't call the hospital or the ambulance die be a man oh yeah how <laughs> fun yeah. yeah or like if you drop an ice cube on the floor kick it under the fridge be a man oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so that's our new segment on and one thing we're probably gonna have to branch out too because I, I was going through and we kind of blew our wad last week but for as much science he drops uh we will reach a point where we might have to retire it but yeah just another nugget of wisdom from denzel yeah, i mean it doesn't it doesn't have to be a weekly recurring every time just maybe yeah it could be like a spice where that we're adding to this melange if yeah, you will when we feel like the people need it the most. <laughs> so a question for you. Yes. As, as the movie advances and 
we find out more stuff and he gets the note that his wife is going to call him. And I thought that was super cool when his wife purportedly visits the police station and is looking for him. And, but then he gets that note that says his wife's going to call him at noon or whatever on Friday. And then he doesn't answer the phone. Why? I don't know. Maybe they're trying to illustrate the fear and the uncertainty. Cause like as much as he wants that to be true, uh, or does he know that it's not actually his wife? It's whatever this being is sort of tricking him the way it's the way it can sort of mimic people. Like when, uh, the fire chief says that oh, Richard yeah. Gear called him like, well, that's obviously not him. So maybe he yeah. realizes, no, it's not my wife. It's this thing representing itself. That's my cat. That's the, only, that's the only thing I can think of. Otherwise, there's no reason not to answer the phone if you actually think it's your wife. Yeah. Which is weird, too, because then later on when like his wife is supposedly seen by Connie. He fucking goes on like a mad dash to try to find her. I think that was before. Was it? I think so. Which was why I was confused. So maybe at that point, like his spirit was broken. Yeah. I think you bring up a good point. Like maybe like, yeah, he, he finally did buy into the fact or that he just thought that, um, it was injured cold or whatever this phenomena is just fucking with him. Yeah, and he's not going to play into it anymore. Because I think at that point he had already gotten the call from uh, oh, what the fuck is his name? Indrid Cold. Yeah, no the the dead guy from Armageddon, Will Patton, Gordon. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And so he went out to his house and he was already dead. And so he was like, okay, yeah. well that that couldn't have been him. So this was this entity, but you know, it it seems like. this entity was only actually trying to do positive things, you know, like warning. It seems like it's only communication was warning people about stuff. It's not like it was like, Hey, you should slaughtering people. You should go fly on Denver flight 92 where everyone dies. It's like, Hey, right. um, People are going to die at the equator. I was confused, but also by all the, all the predictions were accurate. Except for the one about the power plant, the 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 c- catastrophe that happened had nothing to do with the power plant. It was just the bridge, right? Am I dumb? No, you're you're not you're not wrong. Uh, you're just an asshole, Walter. No, um, <laughs> uh, fair. No, yeah. I mean, that's that's one. I, I guess maybe this is a good point to bring this up too. Um, it could have just been a loose thread in the screenwriting or in the production of the film. Um, but one, I guess, piece of trivia or a little anecdote that I found maybe that informs that a little bit is, so I was looking on the other night, I was looking up on Reddit, you know, Mothman theory or Mothman prophecies, movie theory to try to keep straight, you know, cause there's multiple Mothman theories and shit so like specific to the movie and it's funny like someone asked the question like you know what what are your 
craziest theories about the Mothman Prophecies movie, thing, things like that, I think was the, the OP's post. And funny enough, I mean, it only has seven comments on this Reddit post, but funny enough, the first comment and the most upvoted, it was from a user called Xenochimp, and they say, I worked on the movie. Uh, this gal in this YouTube video that they're referencing is reading way too much into it. The director, what is his name, Chris Pellington? Or is it Scott? Mark. <laughs> I was <laughs> Samsonite. I was way off. Um, the director, Mark Pellington, uh, was more interested in what he in when he could get high next most of the time. His personal assistant's sole job seemed to be making sure enough pot was available. There's so much to this movie that was completely cut. Entire characters were spent days filming were cut. Uh, We had to arrange a whole bunch of days shooting around a child actor due to rules of filming with minors. The kid isn't even in the final cut of the movie anymore. Uh, The director Pellington and the producers were constantly at each other's throats because everything was constantly taking too long and we were having... uh, a lot of overtime issues. Uh, this actually led to Pellington punching a producer over a shot. The producer said wasn't needed and eventually got shot and then didn't make it into the movie. Uh, I worked on a few movies around the same time, same time. And Mothman was definitely a disorganized mess. So <laughs> I thought that was a pretty funny fucking anecdote. This dude punched a producer in the face. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so maybe that's one of the threads because that I picked up on that one too, and I just like chalked it up. Okay, well maybe the Mothman was like in the general area of the town, but I mean you're right. Like the previous two, like uh, you know, he actually he says Equator, but I'm not sure if he says Ecuador, and the guy's just mispronouncing it because it shows in the paper the next day, earthquake in Ecuador kills 300, and he said somewhere he around said the Equator. equator in a, in a town this size. Well, it kind of works out because I thought it was funny that equator, you know what, depending you know on what, the way you say it. Do you know what Ecuador means in Spanish? Equator? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know I think, that. I think so. Nice. If not, uh, then I'm a real asshole. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but to emphasize the point like that, and then like the Denver, like when he told Will Patton's character, you know, he's like 99 will die Denver nine. And then they tune into the fucking, the news that day in the cafe. And it says 99 people have died on a flight to Denver, flight nine to Denver. So yeah, it is kind of weird that they don't made up, but yeah, I mean, yeah, one could argue, you know, that, that this being is not malevolent, but benevolent. Um, Cause it's not, a, it's not out there slaughtering people. It's not fucking anyone up except for except the for wrinkle the in the movie <laughs> that they add about the wife because they emphasize it. Like she saw something and that's what caused her to lose control. And like something burned through her fucking psyche or soul and she crashed I could or it the- caused the glioblastoma in her brain or I don't know. Or, or, or it, or, yeah, actually that's a good point. Or, you know, it, re- it, it made that happen. The brain tumor. Yeah, that's true, actually. You're right. Okay. But it sucks because it's like, yeah, you can't do anything about that one, though. Like, you could do something potentially about the other incidents. That one's like, what can you do for a glioblastoma? It's like, you've just told me of her imminent death. Whereas, like, arguably, like with the plane and the the earthquake, you could at least alert someone. I mean, you could have done a chance to live and they did do chemo. And if, if they got lucky, it could have killed it. 
Yeah. I mean, the earlier you get it, the better. That's for sure. I'm, I'm, I'll meet you halfway on that one. But, yeah, I mean, that that is that is kind of an interesting through line that the thing is is not, you know, trying to harm people, but alert them. I thought it, one of the anecdotes that the um, – that our expert character who steps in Alexander Leak, like his uh, analogy explaining to uh, Richard Gear, like why is this happening to me? And he, they're in Chicago, like downtown Chicago, and they have these big ass fucking skyscrapers. And he's like, you see that window washer up there? He's like, he could probably see, um, you know, a car crash four or five blocks from here as it was happening and like, or he could see before like this is going to happen. But to us on the ground, it's completely occluded by all, by everything else. He's like, we wouldn't know about that. And then what's he say? He's like, just because he knows that that's coming and could tell us like, if he had a walkie talkie, uh, it doesn't mean he's God or it doesn't, it it doesn't mean that he's looking out for us. He can just see a a little further down the road. Yeah, exactly. so that was kind of an interesting analogy that I saw in the in this. Um, I can't extrapolate upon that any further. I just thought it was like an in- interesting way of looking at like trying to explain something that's unexplainable. You know? Yeah. Well, and I, I think one of the probably most iconic scenes is when what's his fuck calls Richard Gear and he's in the chapstick. Yeah. So. I was talking to, to the missus and she's like, Oh, did you watch the movie yet? I'm like, yeah, I liked it. And she's like, the only thing I remember about it was chapstick. Yeah. Like, Oh, interesting. And I was just thinking like how funny it would be to do like a sketch or something where (laughs) Richard Geard like grabs his dong. He's like, what do I got in my hand? He's like, your, your dick. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Your dong stick. What? <laughs> Why? Do you remember that? I don't know. Yeah. It just hit, it just yeah. hit me right. <laughs> uh, apropos of nothing, that I used to put, I had a fucking. Um, it was like dude, I still have it. It was like I still an iP- have it, dude. This is gonna this is gonna haunt your nightmares. What yeah, is it? it was an iPod Mini, I think. Yeah, I remember it. <laughs> I still have it. Yeah. Dude. So he had this little piece of shit. It was like the size of a thumb drive. Little iPod Mini, first gen piece of shit. <laughs> that when we were <sighs> working together he would put on and for some reason it only had one playlist like 15 (laughs) songs that would always play in the same order and it was excruciating to listen to (laughs) and i don't know if you remember this but i do at one point i jokingly offered i will give you 30 dollars if i can buy that from you and you were like yeah for sure (laughs) <laughs> and, then I, and then I was like, uh, I don't know. Fuck it. This prob this probably won't ruin my life for the next couple years. And then it did, and it just will. It would not go away. And that that song you played, the little preview. Thank God. I feel like an an Iraq War veteran. 
Yeah, just like whoa, 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 whoa. yeah, <laughs> so, dude, so bad. I remember what is it? it the The name of the song is the Modus Operandi. Dude, you're gonna love the name of the song. I don't think you ever heard it because it's so long. So it's it's a song by Isaac Hayes. It's called Hyperbolic Syllable Sesquidelemistic. And that's in the chorus when they're like hyperbolic syllabic sesquidelogistic. God. Yeah, it's bad. It's yeah, real bad. Dude, I I remember like queuing it up and then like like sneaking off like a hundred yards away and like peeking through a rack in a warehouse <laughs> just to see like your expression or to like see your face. Cause like right when you'd hear it, like that, the fucking piano, like the fucking like, even just like that much, I knew that would spur a reaction. So I'd like hide <laughs> and I'd look and sure. She'd be like, Oh, f-. it'd be like someone looking up at the sky and saying like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Or like, you know, yeah. <laughs> Oh my so god! I, I remembered that, so I had to peel a couple pieces of those to to include here. <sighs> it's the it's the worst song. It's a terrible ever. fucking song. It's so bad. <laughs> the motors of our render. The motors of our render. Yes. Cerebellum. He's like listing all of the fucking <laughs> bodily organs. Uh, it's such a weird song. Yeah, check out Isaac Hayes' hyperbolic syllabic sesquidale mystic. Um, it's a banger. Or don't. Um, Just don't. Yeah, or save yourself. Um, yeah, so I guess uh, where are we at here? We got the ex- we got the expert trope doesn't want to help does he caves immediately helps and then he he's basically another one thing I, I wrote down that I, that was interesting too was like the exposition from our expert character what's he say he's like because Richard Gear describes it he shows all like the the cave paintings that his wife has made while he's while she's in the hospital laid up and then he he sees other drawings from people in this town point pleasant who have seen mothman and their accounts and their you know sketches of what this thing is that they've seen which is this mothman shaped bright glowing bread red eyes um looks like a fallen angel or just you know like uh really creepy like mothman um with these bright beady eyes uh so when he brings that up to our expert character andrew alexander leak he says uh he brings up the nocturnal butterfly uh, in ancient cultures. The moth represents a form of the psyche or the soul immortally trapped in the hellish death realms, AKA Mothman uh, sightings preceding major disaster events. Um, he goes on to explain, you know, like, cause Richard Gere's like, oh, can you see it? Did you see it? What, what's it look like? You know, trying to get it like the surface level stuff. And then this elite character's like, well, you know, think about electricity or microwaves, you know, these are things. And like now in our age, like Wi-Fi, shit like that, you can't see, but it's going on and it's having a tangible effect. Um, and that's when he gives like the, the analogy of the window washer being able to see a little further along down the road. And I thought that was kind of interesting because 
you know, there's a lot of things like this day and age too, that we have that would just like people's brains would explode in like the 1950s or the sixties. If they're like, like, this is what you have, um, kind of stuff like technology, but yeah. Um, yeah, that's funny. That chapstick part. That's like an, that's indelibly like burned into my brain too. Is like when you, like the, that's also a fun trope too of like quizzing like the cat and mouse game. And then you, he's quizzing like this injured cold, this manifestation of the fucking Mothman that's calling him through electrical waves. And like, he, he's like telling him shit, like to get it, to grab his attention right away. He's like, what's he say? He's like, your father grew up, uh, in Monroe, Wisconsin or racing. Come on. Racing, Wisconsin. Sorry. Uh, on, yeah, dude. Good film. Um, they just came out with a new series, like a reboot series. Stay on topic. On Amazon. Okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> I'll do that. Um, so, what's what's Tom Hanks? Who calls him a horse's ass? Oh, dude, what's that part? No, like the no crying in baseball. He like pre the my favorite part precedes that like iconic line where he's like he's like you're crying. He's like there's no crying in baseball. And he's like he's like uh, one not, time not Rogers Hornsby usual. was yeah he's Rogers right. Hornsby was my manager. My parents came to see me play, and he called me a talking pile of pig shit. And he's like, <laughs> did I cry? <laughs> no, I didn't cry. No crying in baseball. Um, anyway, sorry to derail you. Yeah. Uh, so dude, Oh, the iconic scene. So he's in the hotel room talking with manifestation of the Mothman injured cold. who has creepy ass fucking robot voice. But like, he's like, yeah, your father did this. He's like something really like abstract and esoteric. He's like, you don't remember the face of your mother. Uh, and so it like grabs Richard gear. And then he's like, he's like, oh, okay, this fucker thinks he knows shit. Um, he takes off his watch and he puts it in his shoe. He's like, where's my watch? And he's like, in your shoe. Uh, and then that's when he reaches in Richard gear, reaches in blind to like the fucking hotel nightstand. Well, he, he puts it in his shoe and he goes, it's in your shoe. And then he like pushes it under the bed and he's like, under Oh your, yeah. And he's like, where bed. is it? Yeah. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. That got me. I was like, Oh shit. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then he he just grasps at something in the nightstand without him not himself not knowing what it is, and it's chapstick. And he's like, "What am I holding in my hand?" He's like, "Chapstick." And he fucking looks at it, and it's like, "Oh shit!" Again, it's like, "Boom, boom." Um, and then there's like a book where he's like, "What's oh page, yeah. whatever line whatever." Yeah, he's like fumbling for the book. He's like, he's like line three, and he's like flips through. He's like on page fifty one. And the dude just starts rattling off like exactly what it is. And he's like, Oh fuck. Um, I guess wild tangent. I'll try to keep it quick. If you go on YouTube and you type in uh, Mothman prophecies, I'll add it in the show notes uh, theories. There's this gal that presupposes that at some point in the film, I didn't watch all of these, that the fucking injured cold, the Mothman thing graphs itself or its person onto Richard Gere. And then so from one point into the rest of the movie, he's not himself, but he's not aware of it. He's actually like one of these copies of this injured cold, I think. 
is the way I interpreted it. Anyway, I want to extrapolate on it, but if you want to know more, that shit's out there. It's on YouTube. You can look it up. It's kind of interesting. Um, cause there is a flash. I don't know if you caught this. I caught this cause I've seen it a ton of times. So I was going through it with a fine tooth comb, kind of like the three quarter mark when he gets pissed off and he fucking, he's in his hotel and he slams the, um, like bathroom mirror vanity. There's yeah. a couple frames. A, Did you see that? Reflection. Yeah. The reflection of the little, whatever. Yeah. I didn't pick up on this like my first handful of times watching it, but this time I did, I was like, Oh fuck. And it's like this weird kind of alien like figure thing. I think that's one of the things that she ties her analysis onto. Uh, There's a couple other things like things that he says when he's talking that would like that. She's like this, she points at this, like being him, not being in control of his actions or he's like a copy of the Mothman, whatever. But yeah, it kind of. So then it just kind of wraps up and like going back to Laura Linney, the gal he's been palling around with, Connie. She's been having these dreams about drowning. This silver bridge collapses. That's like this main artery into town on like Christmas Eve, and um, it ties in with her premonition that she's been having. And it was like, wake up, thirty-seven. You're not ready or something. She gets saved by Richard Gere. He dives into the water at this bridge collapse because he has some intuition to it as well. He he rescues her, and then it turns out later, thirty-six people had died in the fucking bridge accident. So if she would have died, she would have been number thirty-seven. So it ties back to her dreams. I agree that part definitely. Like I think they probably rushed that. That was like the Hollywood <laughs> ending. Like you got to wrap this up somehow. Yeah. Um. But. Like it, it was like the first example of someone taking that information, doing something about it, and being able to change the ending of what it was supposed to be. But right, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's really it in a nutshell. It's got some. I, I I like. I think we breezed over it, but I think it's a good watch. That kind of. It's just like unsettling. It's a good unsettling film, yeah. and it's not overly cheeseball. No, it's not, and it it easily could be, but. No, it's not. Right. I liked it a lot. Yeah, and it's funny. Like, I, I mean, I should probably give it a larger grain of salt than I am. That anecdote that I found on Reddit about like the production of this film, it sounds kind of haphazard and kind of like slapped together. Like the the director was just like fucking token up super hard every night, and there was like issues and fighting on set. Like, it sounds like kind of like a miracle. Like it ended up as stitched as well stitched together it ended up being like it could have gone fucking sideways i've heard a lot of like our friend uh wesley snipes on blade three i guess he was a real handful on on that set and it it totally derailed the fucking uh production like they had to like shoot different days they had to do they had to work around him i guess like ryan reynolds said that he didn't say more than like two words to wesley snipes like the whole shoot he like barricaded himself in his like you know movie star trailer and was just like smoking like like copious amounts of blunts like huh fighting with the director like not talking to any not saying any words to anyone like for days at a time like weird like super prima donna like weird stuff going on so to this point with mothman you know it could have the production could have ended up way worse 
Hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, that's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I was a big fan of Blade One and to a lesser degree two, but yeah, the third one is just absolute dog shit. And knowing some of the background of that is interesting because it informs like. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, they had CGI issues, and like you know, they should have casted someone else for the like the main bad guy, Dracula. But you can definitely tell Wesley. I don't, I don't think Wesley I've was seen, phoning it in. I don't think I've seen any of them. Blade Trinity, dude, you haven't seen the first. The first Blade is a fucking rock'em sock'em good fucking time. You would like it. I okay, yeah. I just don't well, think I have. <laughs> <laughs> That yeah, I'm not arguing that, but I'm saying you should watch it. <laughs> Blade One is dope. It's super dope. They actually have our friend uh, Masha Hasher. How do you say his name? Masha Hasher Ali. He was the dude, the main lead in season three, True Detective. I haven't even watched season two. Oh God, we are lost. Skip season two and watch season three immediately there's actually a fun a fun coincidental tie back with blade one and the upcoming blade reboot with masha hashar ali is steven dorf was in the original blade and then he also played uh masha hashar ali's uh partner in true detective season three real star turn like a, a revival uh role for Steven Dorff. He kind of faded into obscurity for a lot of years, but I will argue that his performance in true detective season three is fucking stellar. Like season three of true. You liked season one, of true detective, right? Yeah. I thought it was a little oversold. Mm, yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. Well, digest it. <laughs> Cause I, I just heard nothing but good stuff. All day, and it every didn't day. hit you that way. No, oh man, you're a tough sell sometimes. I tell you what, sometimes uh, I try not to be, yeah, but no, that's that's fine. I just, I that's one I, str- I really struggle with, like not being like, like hooked into, you know. But at any rate, see, True Detective season three is fucking awesome. You know, season two is fine. Whatever people have him and haw about it, it's very divisive. I, it's a self-contained story, so you can skip it completely. If anything, season three actually tie towards the end. It actually ties back in very subtly to season one, but it's not contingent on watching either of the two previous seasons. And it's definitely, definitely a totally different vibe than season one. Um, it's definitely it's doing its own thing, but it's it's very good. And at any rate, the lead in that Masha Hashar Ali is starring in the Blade reboot in the MCU in the next one to two years, I think. Which <laughs> I think he'd be a good Blade, but I'm pretty butthurt that they're rating it. I think PG thirteen, and that's a to me that's a fucking huge red flag and a huge mistake because the OG Blade with Wesley. Is rated R and it's fucking dope. So I'll get don't off my care. Fucking, I'll get off my blade <laughs> soapbox. But um, you said dude, MC- that's one of his MC- most iconic lines when he says uh, he's some motherfucker's always trying to ice skate uphill. 
I, I stopped listening when you said MCU. So okay. <laughs> well, so the first blade is not within the MCU. If that makes any difference, it's like it it's does. its own thing, and it's rated it, R too. So it does. Yeah, it, it's rad. Anyway, all right. So yeah, I think this is gonna wrap up uh, old Mothman prophecies. Um, I don't know. I don't think this really fits the vibe too much of like getting into Halloween. I mean, I would argue that way. Maybe a September watch because it's definitely creepy. It's got some weird shit going on, but there's really kind of like the previous film we watched, Christine. There's no real tie to like Halloween. There's no pumpkin sightings, I believe. Um, so it's not like <laughs> it's not intrinsically Halloweeny, but um, it'll get you, it'll get you revved up, perchance. Um, so, question: Were you a big Pete and Pete guy? Did you ever watch Pete and Pete? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember the Halloween special Halloweenies? No. Pete and Pete? Oh, no. dude. How do you remember it? I don't. I don't remember it. I didn't watch Pete and Pete growing up because it was. I felt like it was always like at a weird time. And like it was like one of those weird shows on like Nickelodeon that I just never got into. Um, it was no salute your shorts, but. <laughs> Donkey lips. Um yeah, it, it they they have a really good special called Halloweenies. I recommend it. Um, it's super good. It actually has one of the guys from I think his name's Rick Gomez from Band of Brothers, who plays a really cool character. He it's like an early role for him, so it's got a little added kind of fun factor, like seeing him in like an early role. But uh, it's very fun. It's very will get you in the mood for like. Like carving a jack o' lantern, trick or treating. Um, <laughs> yeah, Pete and Pete. Dude, did you ever watch Ghost Rider? Uh, Was that oh, PBS? Oh yeah, yeah. Dude, I did. I could only I ever just, watch it. I could only ever watch it at my grandma's house. Dude, that's so weird. You fucking said that. I was just talking about this with some other people too. Cause I had found out they rebooted it in like 2019 and it's on Apple TV and they're coming out with season three in like two weeks. Um, and it was like the first season of the reboot was like highly acclaimed won all these fucking awards. But I remember it being on like between like circa like 1992 to like 96, maybe somewhere in that era. And then they, they, it was in syndication also, but I remember watching at my grandma's house because she had a TV guide and we didn't. And it was really hard to pin down because sometimes it was on it. Like it was like one of those shows that started on a five, like two thirty-five. instead of shit used to always come on at like a 30 or the hour mark. And it was like yeah. an hour long or it was a half hour long. I remember reading the TV guide specifically. It was like four fifty-five on a Thursday afternoon they would play ghost rider or like two thirty-five in the AM on a Sunday night on PBS. They would play ghost rider in syndication, but it's like a little ghosty that would come around and help them with words and shit and solve a mystery. Like yeah, you know, Sherlock Holmes style. I must've watched it long after it was live because it was, it would have been like late nineties. 
and it was it was just on like one of my grandma's weird satellite channels. But I fucking love that show. That was a good show, man. It was good. Yeah. Yeah, they fucking rebooted it in 2019. I just because I have kids too, it's easy to get like reinsert yourself into that kind of stuff and try to do the whole live vicariously thing. So we wa- we watch some of the new shit. It's pretty good. Is it? Yeah. I like it a lot. I mean, my tastes have, have changed since having kids. So like, and then also like having like an Insta family with shacking up with my wife. It's like, she had a niece and nephew when I met them, they were like eight and six. So they were kind of into that shit. So I kind of got into like, you know, RL Stein's haunting hour was something he did after goosebumps. And there's all these like anthology shows, like, are you afraid of the dark? And, um, goosebumps that that have come out since like in the early 2000s and late 2000s and stuff that i've that i've watched and i can appreciate now being an old piece of shit um (laughs) so yeah i get i don't know man now like it's like halloween didn't i used to like it but now halloween's like my favorite holiday by far like this whole like going into fall like I think it ties to to like the the season changing and finally getting away from heat. And so I associate that with like cooler weather, fucking crisp fall morning, leaves changing, falling, raking, football, scary shit, pumpkins. um, (laughs) He wants a pumpkin. (laughs) He wants a pumpkin. Oh, yeah. Update on the garden. I have two pumpkins growing right now, and they're looking pretty dope. Dude, I didn't tell you this. My fucking pumpkin patch, it started growing up. There's this little tree right next to it. It started growing up in the fucking tree and, like, vining like crazy. So now I have a pumpkin tree. How dope is that? Anyway, this was a fun one. (laughs) Uh, I think we should probably wrap this up. Uh... Anyway, Good times. Yeah. Any town USA, Jerry. <laughs> um, yep, that'll do it for us. Uh, no new reviews. If you want to, <laughs> if you want to shoot us a rating or a review, uh, would be welcomed. Uh, you can reach out to us directly if you have any comments about Mothman or anything else. Uh, wax at waxingtheporpoise.com or you can reach out to us on our socials. Instagram is waxing the porpoise. Twitter is waxing at waxing the porp. Um, shit. What do we got next week? Uh, uh, do you want to just figure it out later? Yeah, we, we can do it later. Oh, you're um, such a fucking bitch. <laughs> Uh, I can't remember. I think it's the scouts. I think we're doing a scout's guide to the, the apocalypse, which is a really fun one from 2015. Sounds yeah. dumb. It does, but dude, I watched it and <laughs> I about laughed my nutsack off. Like I, I remember there was a point I laughed so hard in a recliner. I almost shot backwards in <laughs> like, I, it ejected myself and i'm cur- i'm really curious to see because kelsey fucking lo- she's she's a pretty tough crowd sometimes dude and she fucking laughed her balls off too so i was like dude this what's is it, what's this it is called a scout's guide to the apocalypse it sounds really dumb it's really well made it's fucking it's really funny it's the only thing i can think close to it is like a non-British Shaun of the Dead. 
Okay. Have you ever seen Shaun of the Dead? Uh, no. Oh, Jesus. We really are lost. Um, so that means nothing to you, but I think, I think people I mean, listening I know what it is, are familiar but... would agree. Somebody is going to take that thing and stuff it right, right up your, your ass. ass. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the Scout's Guide, uh, it's a zombie flick, but it's got heart and it's really fucking funny. <laughs> I, I thought it, 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 it's become like a yearly watch for sure. So, okay. <clears throat> well, I mean, you've Scouts, got, a, you've got a pretty good batting average so far. So yeah, I'm surprised. So I, I I'm confident this one's going to keep it going for sure. So, um, yeah. Any who's, uh, thanks for joining us again. Uh, this has been Mothman prophecies. Check us out next week. Hit us up on socials, and in the meantime, if I don't see you, I'll see it. What is it? What? If I don't see you tonight, it's good afternoon, good evening, and tomorrow, or some shit. I don't know. No, that's Truman Show. I thought that's what you're... Laura Linney. No, 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 no. I'm blitzed. I'm thinking of Kenyon's thing. It's like... I'll see you. Oh, that's what it is. I'll see you when I'll see you, and I'll see you later. Nice. (laughs) All right. Man. Damn it.